lover is lost Don't want nobody else When I think of your touch I can't control myself But I've been through it all Still got some scars that are healing They're ready to put down my wall I catch any feelings
Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you the return of Sports Whispers Weekly after a one-week absence last week. Obviously, due to my birthday, for any any of you who have listened to this past Thursday's podcast for the rankings of the Survivor males, you guys would have, would have known about this. Uh, if you guys want to call in and talk some sports tonight, you can call in at 657-383-1308. We have a lot on the plate tonight. We have the NBA and NHL. Well, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't say NHL because some people, some people uh, in the hockey in the hockey business get a well, they sort of get offended by calling it the NHL playoffs. The Stanley Cup playoffs are set to uh, to take place or get started at least with a uh, quite a opener for the Stanley Cup playoffs going on currently at the end of two periods. The Boston Bruins and Washington Capitals are tied at two goals apiece with one period left to go in the game, in regulation at least. Uh, we also have an update on Aaron Rodgers as well as an update on Deshaun Watson as well. Uh, we have quite a few things to uh, cover tonight. WrestleMania Backlash I'll be touching on as well in just a few minutes as WWE will hold their second, I guess it's, I I think it's their second pay-per-view that they've had on Peacock uh, ever since they officially moved from the WWE Network over to Peacock with WrestleMania Backlash tomorrow night on Peacock. Uh, So once again, the number uh, that you guys can call in 657-383-1308 and for those of you that are not subscribed yet to the Missy AE podcast and want to do so you can do so at either blogtalk.com slash Missy AE or you can subscribe to us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts by uh, searching Missy AE you'll get access to not just the Sports Whispers weekly shows you'll get access to all of our uh, brother memories, survivor memories podcasts that we've done, even uh, the amazing race uh, memories podcast that we did with Hung and Chi from the, the most recent season of Amazing Race. Uh, we also have a Big Brother recap podcast uh, set to get underway. Uh, I want to say about two months from now, uh, with Big Brother uh, picking things back up with their new season hosted by Melissa and uh, also by me. Obviously I did, I did last, uh, last year's show, but uh, Melissa is joining me officially as uh, the primary host of this year's show. So let's get started. Sports Whispers Weekly tonight. Uh, It was a good week off. You know, I, Clearly, last uh, last week I was in no condition whatsoever to uh, to host the show. Which, quite frankly, I mean, you know, when you when you 
put Jack Daniels and uh, and alcohol, other alcohol, into the mix. Yeah, let's just say that I was. It was very hard to understand me by uh, by around this point uh, one week ago. Oh, oh uh, a, pro, a little bit of a programming note for tonight. Lou will be joining us for the second hour of the show, and I believe. I'm going to have a couple of my friends calling in as well uh, to discuss the NHL playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs, after the Bruins game officially comes to an end here. So let's get started with WrestleMania Backlash, as we have six matches scheduled currently for tomorrow night's card. Uh, I don't know, maybe they might add on the women's tag team title rematch, considering that Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax just lost them last night to Natalia and Tamina, marking Tamina's first official championship reign uh, ever since debuting with the company, I believe like a decade ago, or close to a decade, I think. Uh, I don't know if they'll do that, but as of now, we have six matches on this card this week uh, for this pay-per-view. We will start off with Damian Priest versus The Miz in a Lumberjack match. This obviously is giving Damian Priest a solid feud to to continue post-WrestleMania with uh, Priest obviously getting the win uh, at WrestleMania with Bad Bunny over The Miz and John Morrison. This is obviously a continuation of that. Uh, I would expect that Damian Priest ends up going over here, considering the fact that WWE has been high on him since since he was called up to the main roster. Uh, I would assume that they're probably going to they're they're probably going to go. Uh, you know, around around sort of sort of the same thing here with him and continue on his run. Miz, even though he was just WWE uh, WWE champion, to me it's looking more now like they gave the Miz the WWE title uh, a short reign before ultimately he lost, before ultimately losing it to Bobby Lashley as a way to basically thank him for his years of dedication to the company when he could have very well left after his previous deal had been up. So it's looking more and more like that is probably the case here with, uh, with him receiving such a short title reign, uh, basically being basically uh, protecting Drew McIntyre, I guess, because, you know, they wanted McIntyre to face off against Lashley and they couldn't stand having McIntyre lose the title cleanly. So the only way to do so would be for him to lose it after winning the Elimination Chamber and then, or I think it was the Elimination Chamber, and then losing it to, to The Miz shortly after. No, it wasn't elimination chamber. I, I, I forget what I forget which uh, which event it was, but uh, Miz basically cashed in after McIntyre was was uh, completely exhausted and uh, took quite a beating, might I add, previously 
making it an easy win, essentially, for The Miz. So, with it being a Lumberjack match, you know, The Miz's antics that he normally does, that's obviously not going to fly. So, this this is basically WWE saying it straight to our faces that, yeah, don't expect Miz to win this one. The face is going to go over here, Damian Priest, and... You know, you've got to move forward, I guess. Maybe, perhaps, I don't know if they'll continue this feud after after this match or if they'll give Miz something else to do. But, uh, you know, there's been a question as to whether or not Morrison will split from Miz at some point as they've been kind of teasing it with little subtle teases over the past couple of weeks. Maybe that might happen. Maybe that might be the next program for The Miz. I don't know. But uh, that remains to be seen, obviously. We also have Roman Reigns defending the Universal Championship against Cesaro, the first one-on-one match, I believe, for Cesaro for either the WWE or the Universal slash World Heavyweight Championship since Cesaro has even debuted on the main roster close to a decade ago. And sadly for the fans, I know the fans have desperately wanted to see Rome, uh, not Roman, Cesaro get a world title reign, but this is not going to be the time for, for it to happen because Reigns, he's been on a roll with him being the head of the table, so to speak. And I think if there was any shot of him losing that title, it would have been at WrestleMania with the triple threat to where he wouldn't have had to have gotten pinned in order for him to lose it. And thus it would have protected him in the same way, uh, you know, to where he wouldn't have to be pinned. So technically he wouldn't have lost the championship. He wouldn't have been the reason for losing the championship. Now, some people have said that the reason why they did the triple threat and had Roman still win was so that they can build up the hatred against him to the point of where it will be extra special for whoever takes the title off of him. And it would really get the fans behind, you know, whoever whoever is going to be facing him for that title. A lot of fans would really gravitate towards it being Cesaro. But in all honesty, I still think Vince just doesn't see anything in Cesaro because the biggest – the biggest criticism that Cesaro has had over the years is the fact that he has supposedly lacked charisma, even though he has gotten over very well with the fans, not just as a face, but also as a heel over the years. He's been one of the hardest workers, uh, techni- technically speaking, in the in the WWE. And it's honestly, I'm, I'm kind of shocked that it's taken this long for him to get, you know, a a world title shot. It's taken him all these years because he's been basically relegated for the most part to, 
being a mid-carder. You know, he's never really had a shot at main event status or at least being, you know, a main event player. You know, somebody that you see like Braun Strowman or Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, you know, people in the top level of competition. Even though he definitely has the tools to do so, I mean... I mean the you know the if people have a problem with with his promos and whatnot that can be easily solved by putting a manager on him, somebody like Paul Heyman, you know who's with Roman Reigns. Uh, if anything, Heyman has actually helped elevate Roman Reigns even further than where he was already at. You know, with him managing Reigns now, Reigns doesn't really have to worry about promos as much even though he still does promos, and his promos have gotten a hell of a lot better, might I add, uh, he doesn't really have to rely on doing promos because he can always have Heyman do the talking for him, and Reigns can basically shine in the ring and focus mainly on on uh, putting on a performance in the ring. So, you know, I just... I wish that they would give this to Cesaro, but I just have a I have a feeling that Reigns is probably going to hold the title until next year's WrestleMania when when somebody whoever they're going to build up to be obviously whoever they want to take the title off of Reigns, they're going to want that match to turn the to turn that person into a star basically. And I just don't see it being Cesaro at this point. At this point, the way that he's been booked throughout his entire WWE career, it just seems like Cesaro is really destined to be primarily, you know, a a mid-card, a mid-card player in the WWE. Now, Keep in mind, WWE. You know they saw the reaction that, I, and I know I, I know I hate to bounce from match to match here, but they saw the reaction that Tamina got at WrestleMania during the women's tag team uh, tag team title match. That they were not expecting her to get clo- anywhere close to the reaction that she ended up getting, which in my opinion, is what really pushed WWE to make the title change last night and give the women's tag team championships to Natalia and Tamina, uh, which, I mean, honestly, well-deserved. You know, this is the first time in quite a while that Tamina has actually stayed healthy and hasn't gotten injured, you know, in quite some time. And, now they're finally giving her the opportunity to prove that she can that she can have a title in the women's division and be able to run with it and you know not not have to deal with injuries uh during that time to where you know obviously she'd end up having to lose the title and potentially be out for God knows how long. But anyways, back to the uh, Universal Championship match. I expect that Reigns will win. 
I honestly think the whole thing between Reigns and Jimmy Uso, the returning Jimmy Uso, is a ploy. I think Jimmy Uso is probably going to is probably going to come around and eventually join the head of the table alongside his brother Jay and basically be the two bodyguards for Roman. I don't know if it'll be tonight, but I think, or not tonight, tomorrow night, but I think it'll eventually happen. And for all we know, it's probably, I would say more than likely, it'll probably be tomorrow night during WrestleMania backlash that uh, Jimmy Uso basically joins Roman because it's clear that Roman, apparently they can't have him successfully defend his title uh, without either of his two cousins getting involved. And we saw it at WrestleMania and it's probably going to continue uh, tomorrow night. You know, they're going to make Cesaro look strong, but in the end, it's going to be Roman with the help of either one uh, of either with the help of either Jey Uso or Jay and Jimmy Uso. I'd be to put it to put it frankly, I'd be shocked if they take the title off of Roman. I'd be absolutely shocked. I would not be shocked though, depending on if this main event, uh, if it doesn't main event, it leaves the possibility for it being a disqualification finish, which would basically give Cesaro the win and they would be able to book it for next pay-per-view as well. So it would not shock me at all. And let's see, next pay-per-view is money in the bank. It, it wouldn't shock me at all. If, uh, if this doesn't main event, you know, if this basically, allows for Roman to face off against Cesaro. Ah, money in the bank. Uh, Next up, we have a tag team match for the SmackDown tag team titles with the Dirty Dogs, as they call themselves, with... uh, They call themselves the Dirty Dogs, uh, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode defending their championships against the father-son team of Dominic and Rey Mysterio. So, basically, I kind of fit. This was another match that I thought was going to happen at, well, we thought it was going to happen at WrestleMania. It ended up happening at the day before, the night before, or not the night before. Uh, wait, actually, no, because it was two nights. So, yeah, the night before WrestleMania on uh, SmackDown, on WrestleMania SmackDown, as they called it, as they called it, uh, before WrestleMania, it was, I believe, a fatal four-way match for the tag titles. And uh, the Dirty Dogs ended up retaining. A lot of people thought, that the titles were going to be put on the father-son team of Ray and Dominic Mysterio. That, of course, didn't happen. Kind of expecting 
at this point that they're going to put the titles on uh, Ray and Dominic Mysterio now. Especially with uh, the fa- the fact that the Dirty Dogs they have had they have had quite a uh, quite the title reign. Uh, they've held it since Jan- since the beginning of January. You know, a hundred and I think I think today's the hundred and twenty seventh day that they've held the titles. So I kind of think that they may move on. Uh, as considering the last time that the titles were held for this long was when the New Day had them uh, back when they won the titles, I should say, uh, back on November in November of 2019 before they ended up dropping them in February to uh, Morrison and the Miz, February of 2010 of 2020, I should say. So, with this being the case, obviously, you know, Dominic, he's been in the WWE for less than a year as an active competitor, but he has shown a vast improvement over the over this past year. So, I would assume that, you know, maybe perhaps they're going to give him a tag team championship run to start off with considering the fact that, you know, his father, Ray, has uh, has done so much for the company. And Ray, you know, his contract had expired, and he could have very easily gone to AEW uh, and could have given AEW some, some more star power, even though it's even though it would look more like uh, like AEW once again still trying to be WCW by signing all these former WWE guys. Uh, but you know, this may be another example of WWE saying thank you to you know to uh, to somebody like Ray for sticking around. Maybe give Ray uh, who knows because who knows how many how many more years he has left in the business as an active competitor. Maybe give him uh, a tag team title reign with his son before he ends up retiring at some point. This would establish Dominic as you know, a future star. I mean, he already is a future star, but it would it would put him on that road to being a future star to where, you know, they're actually going to do something with him instead of just making him be a jobber once his father leaves. Uh, you know, this would be a good start to, to doing that and giving him a, ch- a tag team title run with his father that way you know the more the more time he has wrestling with his father you know the more chemistry uh the both of them can form in the ring and ultimately it's going to make Dominic a much better wrestler uh with the, you know the more high profile matches that he finds himself in and this would be, this would also technically be a good way to sort of help WWE build up their Mexican, uh, you know, their 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 Mexican stars basically because they have been starving for years, ever since Alberto Del Rio left. They've been struggling to find the next big Mexican star, and you know, Dominic 
having the tag titles be put on Dominic this early in his career could be a good a good catapult to start off. Uh, you know, his road to uh, potential stardom. I mean, grant, granted, there's still he still has a lot of a lot to learn, but you know, maybe perhaps uh, starting off like this would be a good way to get him started. And I mean, obviously, of course, I mean, come on. You see the type of workers that uh, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode are. And to be perfectly honest, I mean, granted, Robert Roode, yeah, for most of his TNA career, he was known as a tag team performer uh, alongside uh, James Storm and Beer Money and also uh, part of Team Canada back in his early TNA days. But, you know, I just don't – the Dirty Dogs, they've already had uh, a pretty good title run. And you normally don't see many tag teams have as long of a run uh, spanning around four months as they they have. So probably the time for, uh, for a title change here. Now, the next match we have is the triple threat match for the Raw Women's Championship. Uh, Rhea Ripley defends her newly won title against former champion Asuka, as well as Charlotte Flair, who surprisingly was not a part of WrestleMania this year. And, of course, they then had her go on Raw the very next night and basically did this whole promo um, about, I, I forget exactly what it was, but it was basically, it basically had something to do with the fact that she felt underappreciated, I guess, or something by the fans. I don't know. But apparently the reason why she wasn't a part of WrestleMania was due to the fact that she tested positive for COVID-19, which obviously, of course, considering the time frame would mean that she would be off of uh she would be off of television for uh for a bit of time but honestly you know she wasn't really let me double check because yeah she her her last episode of raw was on March 1st when she beat Shayna Baszler uh, to in order to challenge Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania 37. However, that ended up being changed because of the fact that she contracted COVID. So she had already been she had already been on the shelf for around a month before ultimately coming back the night after WrestleMania due to COVID. Uh, you know, I, I normally I would say that Rhea Ripley is going to win, but considering who we're dealing with here, Charlotte is a ten-time women's champion. If you fact Eva's championship reign, that makes that makes her a ten-time women's champion. 
And also, she's a former women's tag team champion as well. I can't rule out a potential Charlotte victory here. I just can't. Because it's it's blatantly obvious that they want her to basically be the female version of Ric Flair, considering she is Ric Flair's daughter. They want her to... There's a reason why she's had so many title reigns already since debuting on the main roster uh, a couple years ago, back on... I, I believe back in 2015, she debuted on the main roster. There's a reason why she already has that many title reigns. Uh, about five year, five or six years into her main roster run. Probably going to reach 16 championships like her dad at some point before her WWE career is said and done. That's why, that's why I cannot rule her out potentially winning the Raw Women's Championship because of the fact that she still is one of the top talents on the roster on the in the women's division. Um, Asuka, I just, I, I honestly, I think she may actually take the pinfall, uh, depending on who, who, whoever it's from, whether it's from uh, Rhea Ripley or Charlotte Flair. I think Asuka will will either get pinned or submitted, uh, be the one to get pinned or submitted in this in this matchup here. So honestly, it'll be the champion will be either still Rhea Ripley or it'll be Charlotte Flair, ultimately. Now the SmackDown Women's Championship, Bianca Belair, she defends against Bailey, who another that was another shocking omission from from WrestleMania. Even though she did her stupid little, uh, I guess I I don't know what kind of gimmick she has. What is it, Martha Stewart or something? No, Martha Stewart is is cooking. Uh, I guess she's some sort of Oprah Winfrey gimmick that she's doing with this ding dong hello whatever the whatever the fuck her uh, her talk show is uh, that she does on SmackDown. Uh, she was involved in a lot of backstage segments, uh, a lot of cringy ones uh, back at WrestleMania, the two night WrestleMania, and with Bianca Belair being built up to be. To, to uh, have such a big win at WrestleMania over over Sasha Banks, she's a bona fide star now in the SmackDown Women's Division. And honestly, I just I do not see them taking the title off of her uh, for a shot for a, a short title reign this quickly. So I'm assuming that Bianca Belair is going to win, uh, or she's going to hang on to her title in some way, whether it's uh, whether it's by disqualification, count out, or whatnot, somehow Bianca Belair is going to hang on to her title, even if she ends up losing. Uh, I just I don't see them taking a title off of her this quickly after after making her into into a star with that dominating performance uh, against Sasha Banks at WrestleMania. Bobby Lashley defending in a triple threat match against Drew McIntyre and Braun Strowman. Once again, this is WWE 
trying to protect one of their big stars. Drew McIntyre is probably not going to be the one to take the pin. It's probably going to be Braun Strowman here or get submitted. And honestly, I would I would like it if Lashley ends up ends up keeping the title here. I think it's the best option for WWE, especially considering that they've built him up as the as the almighty Bobby Lashley. They've given him new graphics and everything and a new theme, new pyro. Do that to a wrestler or to a star who's going to have a short title reign, you know, whether it's one pay-per-view or two pay-per-views. You don't give that to somebody who's going to have such a short title reign unless unless it's somebody who's going to be the face of one of your brands for a certain amount of time. And at this point, it's, I just, I don't see anybody they can build up to, to beat Lashley at this point. I mean, Matt, uh, McIntyre wasn't able to do so at the last pay-per-view uh, at WrestleMania. And honestly, I was still shocked because I thought that McIntyre was going to, was going to beat Lashley. I really thought he would. I was completely shocked to, to see Lashley uh, successfully retain the title cleanly, might I add, over, over McIntyre at WrestleMania. That was probably the biggest shocker for me. So, with this matchup, it makes it that much easier if they want to if they if they want to protect uh, McIntyre by not having him take the pinfall. This would be the way to do it by having by having uh, Lashley either pin or submit Braun Strowman. Because at this point, Strowman he's that type of he's that type of wrestler where. He can be involved in a matchup, in in a high-profile matchup like a WWE title match, and take the loss, but yet still be seen as a strong player because, mainly because of the type of wrestler that he is, which is, I mean, they call him the monster among men. You know, he's clearly one of the biggest guys, both in size and in height, that they've had. Uh, in quite some time. So, you know, a loss for Strowman isn't really going to, isn't really going to affect him much for the most part here. And especially with Lashley, you know, no longer having the hurt business with him, it makes it, it makes it even more important that Lashley hangs, uh, hangs on to the title here and that he has a significant championship reign because otherwise he goes back to being a single star basically still in that in that in that space where he was when he was involved with uh in a feud with Lana and uh Rusev a couple years ago back where, you know, they, they really didn't have anything for him. And then of course, you know, the hurt business comes in and all of a sudden 
that seemingly had revitalized uh, WWE or WWE's view of Bobby Lashley and what they wanted to do with him. So, you know, if you take the championship off of him, I mean, yeah, he still has MVP as his manager, but if you you take the championship off of him, you know, granted he'll have a rematch, but, you know, McIntyre would probably win that rematch. And honestly, there's not really much more you could do with Lashley after that. You know, because you ha- you take the title off of him, you're obviously not going to give it right back to him, unless of course we're doing some sort of 2003-2004 thing here with Triple H, with him losing the title one pay per view, then winning it the very next one. Um, you know, I just don't see, I don't see uh, them doing the same thing with Bobby Lashley, so. The smart thing for WWE to do would be to build up Lashley, continue uh, continue having him uh, retain the title. Now, obviously, it's it's probably still on their agenda to give Drew McIntyre a WrestleMania win, uh, you know, in front of a, a WrestleMania title win in front of a live crowd, considering that he won the title last year during COVID, during the COVID era, the Thunderdome era, which technically they're still in somewhat. Assuming there's going to be a live crowd at next year's WrestleMania like there was this year, uh, although obviously a a bigger crowd, might I add, they're probably going to build up Bobby Lashley to the point of where he ends up losing it at WrestleMania to Drew McIntyre, and McIntyre gets his big win over, uh, you know, for for a world title uh, in front of a packed crowd, which is originally what WWE had planned to do with him before before the COVID era started. So just like Roman Reigns winning, uh, it would be a shock if Bobby Lashley didn't come out of this with the title uh, tomorrow night. At WrestleMania Backlash, so uh, we'll see. And when it comes to the potential women's tag team title rematch, I don't know if they're going to do it or or not, or maybe they'll hold it for uh, for either Raw or SmackDown. I don't know what they're going to do, but uh, I would expect that Tamina and Natalia would probably hang on to the titles whenever they do that. Though it would not shock me either if uh, if Shayna and Nia regain the titles. Although it it has been kind of teased as well that maybe they would break up Shayna and and Nia, considering the fact that they have had a bit of trouble uh, recently with um, with communication. I guess if you want to put it that way. Uh, with one leaving the other's match and vice versa. So I would expect them to keep the titles on Natalia and Tamina because of that, whenever that rematch is. But it wouldn't shock me at all either if they took the titles off of them. Uh, now, the status of the Raw tag team titles with AJ Styles and almost 
they just came back from supposedly uh, being overseas. But I think they probably had something to do with, uh, you know, they had something to do with, with COVID. I, I, I have a feeling, which is why they were out. Um, but, you know, maybe perhaps could they have gotten or could they, could they get a, uh, a tag team title match added here? Maybe on the, maybe during the pre-show they announce it. I don't know. Possibility. Uh, I would assume that it would probably be against the New Day, uh, being Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston. But who knows? It's it remains to be seen uh, what happens in terms of the tag team titles. Uh, let me add. Uh, hopefully, it allows it here. Here we go. Uh, let me add Lou onto uh, onto the call here. How you doing, Lou? Thanks, Steve. It's nice to be back. Yeah, sorry, sorry about last week. I um, yeah, I, I got heard. contacted. I got contacted before the uh, like the afternoon of the show, and it was oh. my birthday. And uh, my friend was like, "Hey, you oh, wanna yeah. you wanna hang out like old times?" And huh. I said, "Sure. You know, I'll just I'll let uh, I'll, I'll have to let Lou know that." You know, we're not going to do a show, um, but obviously we'd be back this week. And yeah, uh, good thing because you know I, I was hearing you know, the show, and you know I called in I called in the show late because I was doing the uh, Michigan report, and you know I was asking what the topic was, and the guy thought it was like the guy thought it was like an ass. He's like, "Are you brain Are you brain dead or something?" I'm like, no, I don't need that. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing, Lou. I would have been brain dead last week because, uh, you know, when you put a little Jack bombed. Daniels in your system, when you put a lot of Jack, or when you put a little bit of Jack Daniels in your system and combine it with some booze, yeah, it's. Let's it's just not the say words, you got in- bombed. Yeah, I got bombed. Absolutely bombed <laughs> <laughs> last Saturday night. Uh, I that was, was in me and my grand- no- graduation. I was in no frame of mind whatsoever to even speak coherently. Right. But uh, uh, yeah, we we got a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of stuff. I just uh, I just finished up uh, talking about uh, WrestleMania Backlash, which is set to take place tomorrow night on Peacock. Ooh. Uh, there is one thing I want to talk about before we move on to uh, the NBA and the NHL. Uh, that yes. is the sudden passing of probably one of the most hardcore wrestlers I have ever seen wrestle. Uh, uh, that being that being Jerome Young, but wrestling fans will know him as New Jack. New Jack, uh, yes. I, one, I heard that. From uh, from ECW fame, he was also, I believe, Smoky Mountain Wrestling uh, to start off his career. He he was he was known for basically doing these balcony dives. Uh, didn't matter how oh, yeah. high he was. It didn't matter how high up in the air he was. If he could find a place to dive uh, onto onto an opponent, he he'd jump off from yeah. any from any height. Uh, he passed away. He passed away suddenly yesterday due to a heart attack. 
at the age of 58. Um, I mean, you know, this was a guy who really respected the wrestling business to the point of where right if the, if he ever if he ever saw or if he ever felt like an opponent was either disrespecting him or disrespecting the art of uh, the art of wrestling mm-hmm. during his match during their matches he would literally yes. he he would he would what they call shoot during a match where he'd go, he would go away from the uh, away from the game plan, basically. Right. Because you know how they play, how they plan out the matches ahead of time. If there was, if he right. ever had an opponent that would that would go away from the game plan or uh-huh. or whatnot, or or that would disrespect him, he would often shoot on them and basically <laughs> switch up. Switch up the uh, the entire match mid match to the point of where if it was most of his matches were hardcore matches he'd take something like a cheese grater or or uh, a cheese or grater. a razor and like a cheese grater or a razor and really go to town on the guy. I mean, there he's I'm known. Sure. Uh, one of the most uh, notorious things he's known for was the mass transit incident that took place in 1996 mm. uh, where there was an aspiring professional wrestler uh, who went by the name of Mass Transit. Let's see, the kid was 17 years old. So, uh, well, he has since passed on. He passed in 2002. Uh, but yeah. there was a kid who went by the name of Eric Kulas who mm-hmm. at the age of 17, at the age of 17, he claimed to be over 18 or over 21 or something. Uh, you know, he had claimed to have been training in professional wrestling for quite some time before he even had the match against New Jack. And apparently New Jack, he pissed off New Jack so much that New Jack went to town on him to the point of where two of his arteries got severed during the match. Okay. Bleeding profusely and, and the kid passed out and needed to be escorted out of the arena uh, with medical uh. attention. Uh, and it, yeah, it says here that further controversy arose uh, when he lied to then ECW owner and booker Paul Heyman about his age nice. and professional wrestling professional wrestling training. Um, this led to a future ECW pay-per-view getting uh, getting canceled, as well as a lawsuit from the Kulas family against ECW, mm. which, which of course, J- uh, New Jack ended up winning in court. So, um, yeah, that's, you know that that was a whole entire a whole entire uh, incident, um, but mm-hmm. it you know it just, it goes to show you what the type of uh, what what New Jack would do, what what lengths he would go to to the point of where yes. there was one wrestler by the name of Vicious Vic Grimes who almost blinded New Jack in one eye in ECW because he was afraid to take a. Uh, to take a certain bump that he was supposed to do 
And during the match, he did a bump onto New Jack, and he ended up landing the wrong way. He ended up landing the wrong way and almost blinding New Jack in one eye, basically. So, yeah, well. the next time they ended up, the next time they ended up wrestling each other was, uh, I believe, either a year or so later in a company known as XPW or Extreme Pro Wrestling, in a mm-hmm. scaffold match, which anybody that doesn't know a scaffold match, it's basically an elimination chamber without yes. the surrounding steel, or not oh, elimination chamber. chamber uh, it's not an elimination chamber. It's a hell in a cell match without the surrounding steel and a scaffold. You're basically on a, on like a 30 foot high scaffold with a whole bunch of tables stacked up on each other underneath in the ring. And the, basically the goal of the match is to throw your opponent off of the scaffold into the tables below new Jack. New Jack, uh, un, completely unknown to Vic Grimes, because Vic Grimes almost made him blind in one eye back in ECW. New Jack uh, brought a ta- he brought a taser with him into the a match. A taser, okay. They got up. Uh, they got up onto the top of the uh, onto the top of the scaffold, and they were battling with each other. New Jack then uses a taser multiple times on Vic Grimes before grabbing him, throwing him off of the scaffold. And Vic was, was, Vic was uh, very lucky to have hit part of the tables on the way down. As uh, New Jack said in an interview that he was trying to kill Vic Grimes. And this wasn't, you know, in character or anything, in, in wrestling character. He was trying to kill Vic Grimes by having him hit the turnbuckle on the way down. Mm. So, you know, it just goes to show you the type of violence that New Jack was known for in uh, back in in his uh, in his wrestling days. Uh, probably the most hardcore wrestler to have ever wrestled in yeah. uh, to have who have never wrestled in WWE because he was just too extreme. He wasn't a PG type wrestler. I'll put it that way. No. All right. Let's move on to the Stanley cup playoffs, which we have our I first have for overtime. You. Huh? I have an update for you. They just uh, finished regulation. We're going to overtime tie. Actually, between yes. the Capitals uh, and the Bruins. Yep, going into the first overtime game of the Stanley Cup playoffs here uh, with the Boston Bruins visiting the Washington Capitals. Uh, the Capitals have had goals from Tom Wilson and Brendan Dillon uh. tonight, while the Bruins have had goals by Jake DeBrusque and Nick Ritchie, which was a little squeaker that just got through Craig Anderson. Uh, now you're wondering, you may be wondering, where's Vanacek, where's Ilya Samsonov? Well, Ilya Samsonov just came off of the COVID-19 list. Uh, he was listed as a close contact, I think. Uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov is still on the COVID list. Uh, it's been assumed that he has tested positive. 
and not necessarily uh, being a close contact. Uh, but when it comes to Vitek Vanacek, he ended up leaving the game. I don't know if you saw this, Lou, uh, but he ended, up leaving the, he ended up leaving the game midway through the first period uh, yeah. while, while trying to make a play while already sprawled out like, like, like goaltenders usually are. Um, after making a save, he tried to make another one, but he ended up stretching his leg all the way over to the other side of the net. And he ended up rolling over in pain, basically. To me, this screams it's either a groin pull or a groin tear. I don't know what else it could right. potentially be. But they haven't, yeah. they haven't provided an update, though. But uh, for a team that's already struggling when it comes to goaltending, considering the fact they don't have Braden Holtby anymore, uh, he has since he has since uh, been up in Vancouver this year. I think it was. Um, yeah. This is bad news for a Capitals team that is yeah. now having to rely on a 39 year old goaltender who only played three games this year. Uh, what have What have your thoughts been about about this game, Lou? Uh, Did you anticipate it being as tightly contested as we've seen so far tonight? Yes, I did. I actually did see it contested like this. I mean, they know know each other pretty well. It it is a rivalry. And, you know, when, of course, you get to the cup, you know, everything you have to throw uh, right out the window. So I was kind of of expecting this. I would expect a little bit more of a higher score because, you know, the numbers have been – the scoring has been up this year – so I expected a little bit more offense, but other than that, uh, it went pretty much the way I thought it was going to be. Well, you know, there was one instance where uh, a lot of people got pissed off because Zdeno yeah. uh, Chara ended up pushing Craig Anderson back into the net, mm-hmm. and basically the the net had come off of the moorings. Uh, Boston had taken a shot. And the puck had supposedly had gone in. However, on replay, the re- people were were wondering why a goal wasn't called. And on replay, if if mm-hmm. anybody knows the rules of hockey, you have to be in the act of shooting. If if a net if if a net dislodging ends up taking place or something like that, you have to be within the act of shooting in order for it yes. to be potentially. You know, in order for it to be potentially uh, ruled a goal, and obviously the Boston play—I forget who it was—that uh, had possession at the time for Boston, but uh, he was not in possession, or he was not in the act of shooting at the time that the net was already off of the moorings. Uh, so obviously there was no goal. And there was no penalty assessed either. Although it, it, I, right. I do find it kind of odd. I want to ask you about this, Lou. Do you think if if there's a player, whether it's incidental or not, if there's a player that takes their own net off of the moorings, should it be a penalty? Hmm. For delay, off for delay of yeah, play. yeah. I think it was off your own, of course. 
like if it's whether it's incidental or not, if it's something like where what happened here with Zdeno Chara shoving uh, Craig Anderson, and then Anderson apparently he couldn't keep his balance and ended up uh, falling backwards into the net, which took the net off of the moorings. To me, that would that would be almost the same thing as yeah, it, as you know having a uh, having a puck go out of bounds, right. You know, and they give and they give a two a two minute penalty for delay a game uh, for that. That would be yes. honestly no different than than uh, than having a net come off. You know, dislodging your own net basically. <laughs> That's basically what it is. Essentially, yeah. And so yeah, know, you, a should, look at the stats, uh, you should have it. Penalty. And, you know, take, taking a look at the stats here, 31 to 24 uh, shots for the Washington Capitals here. Uh, they're also out hitting the Bruins 51 to 40 through uh, three periods of play. This is this has been a very physical game so far uh, to the point of where, hell, you started off the game with basically a gigantic shoving match. Uh, on yeah. multiple occasions between Alexander Ovechkin and David Krejci. So, you know, I think from what we've seen so far tonight, it, I, you would probably expect a lot more physicality coming out of, coming out of these two teams. I think, I think you could I almost would. say, you could almost say that this is a budding rivalry. Between Washington and Boston, uh, kind of like, kind of like what what we see with Boston and Philadelphia, or Boston and Montreal. Now, yeah, around around that's such a rivalry right there. You know, let's take a look at the playoff picture here uh, with the official the official uh, matchups being confirmed. Uh, but you know, let's start with Boston and Washington. Who do you see advancing in this uh, in this series here? Well, it's a t- it's a tough one, really. I'm I was trying to you know get my thoughts together on this one, but you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Bruins. Yeah, you know, I think I think it's definitely gonna be a close matchup. Uh, yeah. Let's see. With this uh, with this series, I know a lot of people. Believe it or not, a lot of people. 14, 14 out of sixteen ESPN analysts have the Bruins winning this series. And who were the two that did they, these? Uh, it does not. Wait a minute. I don't think it says here. Let me see. Uh, of course not. Hang on. Let me see. Uh, Emily Kaplan and Tim Cavanaugh were the two ESPN analysts to take the Capitals. Uh-huh. Uh, one took the Capitals in six, and one took the Capitals in seven. I see. But when I took a look at when I took a look when I take a look at the big names, though Steve Levy, he took the Bruins in seven. Barry Melrose took the Bruins in six. Uh, mm-hmm. John Bucci-Gross took the Bruins in seven. And where's the other one? Don Lagreca took the Bruins in six. You know. I honestly think this. I think this series is going six or seven games, regardless of the result. If it's if it's going to be yeah. Bruins or Capitals, oh, well, I think question. it'll be in six or seven games. Um, oh, without question. With that, be, with that being said, 
I mean, I am kind of biased here. I think it's going to be the Bruins, uh, especially considering the goaltending problems that Washington has had. You know, they don't really have a qualified yeah. number one goaltender. Mm. Well, if you don't have that, you might be you might be facing a little bit of a problem because you got to have a good goaltender. You got to have a good goaltender if you're going to, you know, go deep in the playoffs. Yeah, and plus, if you don't, you're so in deep 50, shit. 50, It's so fifty-fifty between these two teams because of the fact that they split the season series four games apiece. Uh huh. So it's more interesting. You know, gone gone are the days where Washington would handily beat the Bruins. Uh, yeah. You know, by by a huge, you know, like a three-goal differential or something. Most of these games this season have been very close, and I I would expect nothing less out of this out of this series here. So, I think my official, I would say it's either Bruins or six, or Bruins and six, or Bruins and seven. Seven. Uh, okay, how about the Pittsburgh Penguins taking on the New York Islanders? Hmm, another tough matchup. Uh, I'm still going to go with the Pens, though. Yeah, I kind of have to agree, especially with them being, first off, they're the number one seed uh, coming out of the East this year. And considering the fact that this may be one of Sidney Crosby's last, uh, last hurrahs, if you would, uh, with a contending team like the Penguins. I mean, yeah, the Penguins, they did make the playoffs, but it did seem at some point this season, you know, that there wasn't going to be uh, a potential long playoff run for the Penguins this year. So the fact that they were able to get it, they were able to put themselves together basically I would expect that we're, we're probably going to see a win by the Penguins. This would actually be good news for the Bruins because the, the Bruins had better success against the Penguins this year than they did against the uh, the Islanders. Um, I would love to see Penguin, the Penguins take this. Uh, it would set up a matchup against the Bruins, I assume. And yeah. obviously, once, once you get out of your division, the – I don't know how they'll do the playoff matchups after that, but uh, once you get out of your division, you know, that remains to be seen. Mm. Uh, What about the Carolina Hurricanes against the Nashville Predators? I think I go with the Hurricanes here. Yeah, I I kind of have to agree. It it just seems it seems like the Hurricanes are such a different team this year compared to previous seasons. I I I don't really know how to explain it. It just it really seems like everything has clicked all of a sudden for them to the point of where this is yeah. actually their best that they've been since the Eric Stahl years. Hell, I'm seeing some predictions here have the Hurricanes sweeping the Predators in four games. I don't know if we should go that far. A lot of them are, are, uh, I I believe the majority of them have the Hurricanes in five, uh, but 
I'm, I'm seeing some hurricanes in four, some in six. One of them is in seven, but a majority of them are hurricanes in five. But I agree, though. I think that the Hurricanes are definitely the better team, and I believe that yep. they're probably going to be uh, the team to come out of this uh, out of this matchup here, this uh, series. Uh, now, this one gets a little interesting, though. How about the the, the matchup of Florida uh, with the Florida yeah, Panthers yeah. taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning, the defending Stanley Cup champions, might I add? Lightning. You think you think it'll be Tampa? Yes. I don't know about about Tampa this year because of the fact that they don't have Kucherov because he's out for the year with the surgery mm-hmm. that he had during oh, the offseason. I just I I don't know when it comes to let me see what their Yeah, Florida scored more during the regular season, but the thing is they also gave up more goals slightly than Mm. the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, And also Tampa ended the season on a three-game losing streak while Florida ended it on a six-game winning streak. Florida is probably the hottest team in the Central Division right now. Yeah. And actually, they finished one point away from the division lead. So, yeah, you know, Florida, they actually, they also finished four games over, or I mean, not four games, four points over the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I wouldn't be shocked at right. all if we see Florida take this series. I'd now, love to see. I don't know if you have been following a uh, story I read yesterday, but uh, you know, since the border between the U.S. and Canada is still closed, what will they do uh, once we get to the later rounds of the playoffs? I mean, you know, how are they going to be able to uh, to handle? How are they going to be able to fix this? That's the thing. I don't. I don't know if they'll have to. Uh, if they'll have to delay uh, the playoffs once that becomes a problem. Uh. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, obviously the United States and Canada would have to come to some sort of agreement. You yeah. know, uh, for Canadian teams and American teams, I, I, I don't mm-hmm. really know what they're going to do at this point. Uh, Houston, we have a problem. Considering, especially considering the fact that in Ontario in particular, Ontario yeah. has a huge problem with COVID right now. And I believe Toronto, Ontario. what teams play in Ontario? What teams play in, in the Ontario province? There's Toronto. Toronto. I think it's uh, Toronto, isn't it? Yeah. Because Edmonton's in Alberta. Winnipeg right. is... Central. Winnipeg's in Central. Uh, what about Montreal? That's uh, that's East. Oh. Well, Montreal is not Toronto. You know, it's that's not, that's not in that yeah. general area. Okay, so if it's just Toronto that's in the Ontario area, assuming that Toronto yeah. maybe maybe gets a uh, does their traditional uh, shitting of the bed in the playoffs and they get eliminated in the first round, maybe <laughs> it won't be such a problem 
for uh, for Canada, but you well, know, they, the I know they have. Well, obviously, but you know how Toronto is when it comes to first round exits. You know, it's yes. a match made in heaven yes. with them. So, you know, I would, I think maybe perhaps Canada would be a little more, a little more open to potentially opening yep. the borders just just for if they can make an arrangement with uh with the NHL if if maybe Toronto is out of the playoffs at the time at the time considering the fact that you know teams that teams wouldn't have to come into Ontario and potentially you know potentially uh uh come down with the coronavirus considering the high uh the high risk level in the uh in the region and yet they're still know, playing though. the MLS soccer with the Canadian teams, though. So how do you figure that? Because yeah, that's right. There's Toronto FC. Can you explain so, that, people? Toronto Toronto FC is able to travel, right? Looks the way at Montreal, Vancouver, they're all Canadian. You know, they're playing against U.S. teams. So how do you figure that? Huh. Well, maybe, maybe perhaps the travel ban is only for citizens. You know, citizens can't go I in see. and out of of Canada. Maybe perhaps it's different. You know, the obviously the sports leagues would have to get permission from the Canadian uh, the Canadian government in order to move in and out. So well, maybe I mean, perhaps if it's banned. I mean, you know, it doesn't seem right because you're only banning it for, like, one sport. You're not – I mean, the Blue Jays had to go to Buffalo, but uh, it doesn't seem to have the same, you know, thing for soccer. I mean, if you ban it for one, I think you should ban it, you know, why are you making special rules for MLS? Well, don't, for, don't forget, though, with Major League Baseball, with the Blue Jays, that was set in stone last year. Right. You know, they played in Buffalo last year. Back when yeah. it was at the height of the height of the pandemic and everything, the height so, of the mess, yes, yeah. So I, considering the fact that the pandemic is still ongoing right now, Toronto, the the Blue Jays organization, they probably they probably found it beneficial for them to just stay in Buffalo for the year, as opposed mm-hmm. to going to the Rogers Center and having to deal with. Uh, with all of that, uh, all of those problems that may that may potentially arise. I'm trying to figure it all out. Yeah, yeah, I know it's kind of weird. Weird doesn't begin to describe it. Yeah, and you know, I mean, hell, we saw the Toronto Raptors in the NBA. You know, they played in I think what was it, Florida this year. Tampa. Tampa, yeah. They played in Tampa this year, you know. Uh, so, really, it's only the Toronto Maple Leafs and Toronto FC that have actually uh, that have actually stayed in Canada because, quite frankly, there's – I mean, as Blue far Jays as the Maple Leafs go, yeah. But, uh, you know, as far as the Maple Leafs go, there's not really any open – arenas down here quite frankly so no. you know there's less options 
as opposed to Toronto. Because, I mean, yeah, you know, maybe maybe uh, Toronto could have joined the Raptors in Tampa, but the problem is Tampa already has the Lightning playing there. So, right. You know, it would lead it would lead to scheduling problems, basically. Oh yeah, no question about that. I mean, and yeah. you know, the thing is that you know the Olympics in July that's gonna cause a damper with that too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, you know what? Speaking of Canadian teams, uh, we're going into the North Division right now. Uh, and we have a uh, we have a final here. Three we have a winner. Two, uh, soft soft goal trickles right through uh, Tukaras pad. Caps win. Uh, three three two. See, I'm trying to see who it was that scored the goal for the Caps. Uh, but that one trickles in, and it's T.J. Oshie. Ah, the hero of the Olympics. Of the Olympics, T.J. You gotta love it. Traditional is a you do, traditional Tuka Rask squeaker. He gives up so many right of those goals. I don't know how many. I don't know how many times during the regular season. Hang on, let me see it. Oh. Yeah, it goes right under the pad. Actually, it looked like it hit off of his. Whoops. Looks like it hit off of his chest. Went right under the pads and he didn't close up. Basically, uh, looks like it, it, it was from Oshi, but it looks like Dowd may have tipped it. So, looks like it may go. The goal may go to Nick Dowd. All right. Well, we'll count it all. Oh, wait a minute. Are they? Oh, they're challenging for offside. The Bruins are challenging for offside here. So this could be interesting. Yeah, I think they were. Show the replay again here. Hopefully, they show the replay here again. Because let's see, there's somebody. Oh, oh, that is close. Number twenty. Look at Nick Dowd. Oh no! Oh no! That might be onside. Yep, it's onside. It's a good goal. Capitals win. We have a winner. That you know, that first angle looks good, but the second the second angle it makes it look clear that that the puck was over first before Dowd uh went offside. Yeah. But uh, in all honesty I'm not really surprised by that type of by that goal because Tuchel no. has always been known to give up those squeakers early, uh, throughout his that entire career. That was a squeaker. Career. Yeah. Wow. So Capitals take What a way to start one. the playoffs. Obviously, this is going to be a pretty – this is going to be probably a long series. Uh, so, you know, it doesn't really shock me at all. But no. The Capitals uh, took but game But what a way to here. start it, though. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Let's see. The the uh, the next 
the next matchup here, since we were talking about Canadian teams, what do you think about the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens? Ooh, two of the original six. Oh, boy. I mean, uh, you would kind of have to think, you would kind of have to think that this would probably be the best-case scenario for the, for Toronto to potentially advance. Because I'm going to go Montreal. Montreal. You're going with Montreal? Yeah, I know. It sounds weird, doesn't it? Well, I just, I just find it, I just find this to probably be the easiest road for Toronto to Easy. advance to the next round because of the fact that that Montreal, they just haven't been the same type of team. You know, they thought that by getting rid of Claude Julien and making a change uh, at coach, Julian. that maybe it would maybe it would revitalize the team. But really, they. They've just been on the yeah. same path that they've been on all season long, and they were lucky right. to even get into the playoffs to begin with. So, honestly, you know, just just looking at the, you know, looking at the talent on both teams. Yes. I mean, Toronto would really have to shit the bed for Montreal, or either that or Terry yeah. Price would have to stand on his head, basically, and pull a Tim Thomas all get, all, all series long. For, Not so easy to do, is it, you know, No. I mean, there hasn't really been a goaltender uh, that I can remember that has really stood on their head in a series like Tim Thomas did all playoff long. No. No. Back in 2011 for the for the Boston Bruins. Uh, you know, I do think though that it may be a bit of a challenge, but I will say Toronto in six. I just right. don't see I don't see Montreal having the firepower uh, to to keep pace with Toronto, basically. This next matchup, though, may be a bit different, though, with the Edmonton Oilers hosting the Winnipeg Jets. That there's a better shot for the Jets to upset the Oilers uh, as opposed Mm, to the Canadiens upsetting the Maple Leafs. Right. So I'm going to go with, honestly, I still have to go, I have to go with the better team. I have to go with the Oilers in this one because, okay, like I you know, there's just way too much talent. And I think that mantra, you know, I, I would give the Jets a better chance if they still had Patrick Laine, if they didn't trade him away to Columbus uh, before the season began. Or not before, during the season, actually. They traded him during the season uh, to Columbus. But what are, what, what are your thoughts on this one, Lou? Huh. The Jets and Oilers. Huh. It's a tough one. I think I'm going to go on a limb and say the Oilers. 
That's a that's a tough one. I would. Yeah, I I I would I I wouldn't be shocked at all. For no, I mean this would for the uh, shocking either way. Yeah, but I I wouldn't be shocked at all though for the Oilers to uh, to come out of this one. No. All right. How about the West Division? We have the President Trophy winning Colorado Avalanche taking on the St. Louis Blues. I was I was, as I was discussing this on my show, and a lot of people are taking the Blues, but I'm the odd man out here. I'm going to go the Avalanche. I mean, I know that in the past <laughs> that the top team, that the top team, you know, in the, you know, in the regular season has bombed in the playoffs. But I don't see that with the Avalanche, you know, with this one. They're way too strong. They've been here. They know what it's yeah. like. They've, they've been before. I mean, I I think uh, Colorado's going to, you know, come out of this with flying colors. I, I don't see uh, the Blues uh, being the great competitor in this series. Let's just say it's going to feel like they're going to be feeling blue when the series is over. Ooh. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Uh, St. Louis, they have the worst chance. The, the worst chance odds wise to make the finals, and actually they have the worst chance to make to make it to the second round out of all the matches yeah. here. I'm going with the Avalanche. I think it'll be a no brainer. It'll be either four or five because the the Avalanche they they just have way too much firepower compared to the Blues. The Blues exactly. This isn't the same St. Louis Blues team that was that that, that were Stanley Cup champions a couple of years ago. This isn't that no, same no. St. Louis Blues team. No, not at all. So I'm I, I'm I'm going with I'm going hey, with the parents here. This this should be a no this should be a no brainer in all honesty. Yeah. Hmm, the game that scores their early tonight. Okay. All right. What do you yeah. think about uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, the Minnesota Wild? Hmm. Well, Vegas has been there before. Vegas does not have, you know, like teams that are, you know, like um, am- amateurs. They have a good solid team. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna take uh, Golden Knights. I will. I'm going to take Vegas, but I will not rule out the Wild though, because the Wild, they do yeah. have some of the best young players in the league, and the fact that they're the fact that they're sitting uh, Zach Parise with his massive contract, former Devil, that kind of tells you that kind of tells you how that team has progressed so far to the point of where. They're sitting one of their better players over the past couple of years in exchange for some of their younger players. So the fact that Parise is going to be starting game one uh, in the press box, I would not rule out the wild. I, I still, I'm, I'm still taking the, the Golden Knights. I, I think it'll be in either six yeah. or seven games for the Golden Knights. Uh but I would not rule out the Minnesota Wild at all in this matchup. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised either way. I mean, this should be a very competitive series, to be honest with you. But uh, I still, you know, I, I, I still got um, my prediction on this one. 
And actually, I think the Golden Knights are probably one of the top contenders for the Cup this year. Yes, but Avalanche was also one of the top the top contenders as well, and they're living up to it. You know, it is possible we could see a potential conference versus conference matchup, an interconference matchup in the finals this year, depending on how the Rare, standings but, fall. Yeah. I mean, that would be, be a great matchup. Because of the fact we don't technically have conferences this year, we have divisions. Yes. You know, weird. It's, it's obviously different now. So I would not be shocked at all if we have an interconference matchup, whether it's two Eastern Conference, a regular Eastern like Conference it. teams, or two regular Western Conference teams. I like it. For my pick, though, I mean, selfishly, I would say the Bruins, but our defense is just I know. not good enough, honestly. Our defense, uh, our defensive core is not good enough. I mean, our top two defensemen are McAvoy and Grizzlick, which, I mean, Grizzlick's good, but after him, there's our, our defense is just way too young. And if Tuca's going to keep on giving up yeah. those squeaker goals, I just don't see Boston making a uh, a huge cup run. Um, no. I'm going to say for the for the Western Conference, I think it'll be the Golden Knights. Uh, if I were to pick an Eastern Conference team, honestly, I would say either the Capital. Well, actually, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. I would no, say I got, I got you on that one. I would say either the Penguins or the Lightning will make up Penguins. the Eastern Conference. Penguins. It would probably be Penguins because they have they have more firepower than the Lightning do currently. Uh, right. But I would assume that it's probably going to be the the winner of the Stanley Cup this year will probably come out of the regular Western Conference. Uh, first off here, we had, of course, the Hall of Fame ceremony today with uh, yes. Kobe Bryant. Uh, Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, and uh, Kevin Garnett being the top three being inducted this year. And there is news on some Hall of Fame inductees for next year as uh, I I don't think they have announced the full list yet, but uh, two of the players that have been introduced so far, not officially, uh, but have been reported on, are Paul Pierce of the Boston Celtics and Ben Wallace of the Detroit Pistons. Yes. And Paul Pierce, of course, will be a uh, will be a first ballot uh, Hall of Famer in this situation. Uh, ben Wallace, I don't know. Wait a minute. How long has Ben Wallace been out of the league? Uh, he last played. Oh, no, it's definitely long enough, but I forget how long. He's been out of the league for about 10 years. So, technically, yeah, this is about his fifth opportunity, I think, because he became eligible in 2017. Uh-huh. So, yeah, about his fifth opportunity at the uh, at the Hall of Fame. He's finally getting in. 
there's a rumor that uh, Bill Russell may get in as a coach, as he's already in the hall as a, as a player. There's, so there's a rumor that he may get in as a coach this year as well, because he was named as a finalist. Um, and obviously, you know, there's probably more names that'll be that'll be announced at some point. But uh, they're expected to have the announcement, I believe, tomorrow. And by the way, the goal is official. Uh, it does go to Nick Dowd for the Dowd. Washington Capitals. It just uh, it just came over my ESPN app just now. Okay. Uh, now, looking at the NBA, we have, of course, the uh, play-in tournament starting up, I believe, Tuesday it'll be starting. Yes. Uh, our four play-in teams, as of now, I don't know if they are officially officially official. The only – well, yeah, technically – they are the only yeah. team that is the only team that is yet to be confirmed are the Lakers because they're tied with Portland, so their fate will basically be settled probably on the final game of the season. Um, but the play-in tournament begins on Tuesday with the Boston Celtics taking on the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, the winner of that team or the winner of that game goes on as the seventh seed, and the loser of that game will face the winner of the Washington Wizards and the Indiana Pacers. Uh, as far as the the rest of the Eastern Conference goes, you have uh, these matchups set to take place with the New York Knicks taking on the Atlanta Hawks in the first round, and the Milwaukee Bucks taking on the Miami Heat in the first round. And obviously the 76ers being the number one seed, they will take on uh, whoever wins the final uh, play-in game. And the Brooklyn Nets, they will take on whoever wins the first playoff or the first play-in game between the, the Boston Celtics and Charlotte Hornets. We got the L.A. Clippers set to play the Dallas Mavericks in the first round. Uh, the Denver Nuggets, they will face either the Portland Trailblazers or the L.A. Lakers, depending on how, depending on how this final game goes. Um, the Utah Jazz, they will take on the winner of the final play-in game. And the Phoenix Suns, they will take on the winner of the Golden State Warriors against either the Lakers or the Trailblazers, depending on who, which of those two teams ends up being in the play-in tournament. Right. Uh, first off, Lou, you know, a big congratulations goes out to the Knicks for, Thank you. you know, finishing in the top four. You know, I told you, yeah. you, you were wondering a couple of weeks ago whether or not they would be able – uh, you know, they would be able to, to stay in it. And I told you, I said, the, the way that they were going, unless there was some catastrophic, uh, you know, breakdown of the team, right? there was no way that they were giving up the, uh, that they were giving up uh, their spot in the top six. 
And yeah. considering their last game is against their last game is against Boston, and Boston's probably going to be playing all of their reserves like they did today uh-huh. uh, in their win against. Hang on. And their win against the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, Boston, they played all of their reserves today. So I would assume that they're probably going to do the same uh, tomorrow against the Knicks. I would expect, unless the Knicks, you know, decide that, you know, there's not really going to be anything up for grabs here. So they might as well uh, get some players uh, rest and play their reserves as well. Uh, there's a possibility that New York will improve to 41 and 31 tomorrow. So uh, New York, they're not going anywhere. They don't have to worry about a play-in tournament. Uh, so, you know, this is the first time in how many years, Lou, that they've made the uh, playoffs? Eight. eight years. Eight years. Eight years. Back, in the car- back since Carmelo, I believe, right? Yes. Back back since they had Carmelo, they have never made the playoffs since. And right. now now the first year under uh under Tom Thibodeau, uh he's got them up to a 56.3 win percentage right now. So easily their best record. Yeah, Tom of the year. Thibodeau is not coach of the year. We got a problem. Yeah, although I don't know, you know, cuz Steve Nash with the Brooklyn Nets. There, there's a couple of contenders. There's Steve Nash. You got Doc Rivers with Philly. You know, finally leading Philadelphia up to the top that they've tried to be getting to. Uh, there's obviously, of course, obviously, of course, you got to look at the Miami Heat and. Uh, you know the fact that they that they've been able to to get into the playoffs with their uh, with their roster basically under flux. You know Eric Spolstra, he's gonna be he's gonna probably be in the conversation. Uh, you know the Utah Jazz, that's a potential coaching candidate, uh, coach of the year there, as well as the Phoenix Suns. You know, maybe perhaps uh, Tyron, uh, Tyron Liu coming back after a year off uh, and being with the Clippers, or a year or a couple of years off. I forget how long he's been out of the league. Uh, you know, coming back with the Clippers, that's a potential. I think there's a lot of potential candidates uh, for Coach of the Year this year. But I would think it's probably going to be between Doc Rivers and Steve Nash. Honestly, it may go to Steve Nash oh, yeah. because it's his first. It's his first year as a as a coach. Yeah, but the thing is that you know the the Knicks were like you know weren't getting much hope, but then Thibodeau turns into a contending team. So you know I think you know because they are I think they'd be the most improved team in the East, and I think that you know that's a legitimate case. You got you got a good point there. I would not. Just off of that alone, I wouldn't rule out Thibodeau out of the equation because of the fact that he basically transformed the Knicks from being a laughing stock yeah. in the Eastern Conference to actual to an actual contending team. 
So that wouldn't surprise me at all, in all honesty. No. Uh, I'm surprised. You know, just looking at looking at the teams, though, I would have to think that the front runners for the playoffs this year to go on long playoff runs. I would be looking at for the Eastern Conference. I'd be looking at the Seventy Sixers and Brooklyn. You know, I yeah. know Philly. Philly has had breakdowns in previous years, but this is a different coached team yes. under under Doc Rivers, you know, Rivers Rivers has gotten Joel Embiid to buy in just like he got mm-hmm. Paul Pierce, uh, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen to buy in uh, that one year, that first year that, that, that all three of them were together uh, in Boston. You know, this this just looks like a much different, 76ers team compared to what we've uh, compared to what we've seen previously. Uh, in the West, obviously, I'm not going to rule out the Lakers, especially if they finally get back uh, to full health. The big problem, though, is LeBron. He hasn't been the same LeBron since he came no. back from injury, so that's going to be a problem if. LeBron back up to where he normally, to how he normally performs, we could see an early exit from the Lakers this year. Uh, But as of now, I'm riding probably the Utah Jazz or the Phoenix Suns. I would say, though, the Knicks for the the East, they could be a potential dark horse if they continue on, uh, on their run of surprising teams. Milwaukee, I think Milwaukee will be an early exit, either first or second round. Really? Yes. Especially with uh, especially with Mike Budenholzer, they said that if uh, yeah, that Budenholzer could lose his job, uh, Budenholzer could lose his job if if they're out first or second round. Yeah. And also, uh, there is a big rumor going around that uh, the Boston Celtics may look to acquire Bradley Beal from the Washington Wizards uh, during the offseason, which may involve sending out Jalen Brown as well as uh, Robert injured, their young starting center. Yeah, he's injured, but he'll be healthy next year, though. I see. But, yeah, uh, you know, this is what – I mean, I wasn't high on Boston to begin with but uh, for the playoffs, but this makes it even less likely that they'll advance with the fact that he uh, he tore a ligament in his left wrist and he ended up having mm-hmm. to have surgery. So, so he's going to be uh, – you know, he, he's going to be uh, out for the whole playoffs. And also, you know, uh, Oladipo, he's out for the entire playoffs. Uh, and yeah. actually, there's there's talk that he may not even be ready for the start of next year as he recovers from uh, a partially mm-hmm. torn tendon in his right quad. So, yeah, there's talk that, that he may not even be ready for the start of next year. Uh, That'd be a problem. 
you know, uh, what's it called? We got about 11 minutes left before we go into the overtime. I know you told me that you have to leave uh, for 11 tonight. Um, yeah, I got this right. So, so I want to get I want to get your thoughts real quick on the Dodgers uh, reaching an agreement with Albert. Pujols oh yeah. For the for the remainder of this year, I mean, it was already a surprise to begin with that Pujols was designated for assignment by the Angels. Yes. Um, as he was, he's in the final year of his uh, massive two hundred and fifty million dollar contract that he had signed with the Angels. Uh, and he had only batted just 198 through 92 plate appearances this year with the uh, with the Angels. Uh, he went through waivers unclaimed, and it was announced today that uh, he had reached an agreement with the L.A. Dodgers, who are already struggling to begin with. Uh, yeah. Does this look like Does this look like that maybe? the Dodgers are just trying to bring in a leader to somehow turn yes. around the morale in that clubhouse because the Dodgers, they've been on one hell of a downslide in recent weeks. Well, not surprising when you uh, lost, when you win a championship, you get the hangover. So not surprising. Well, yeah, they had the hangover, but don't forget, they started off on a hot streak this year, this uh, season. Yeah. I mean, they were one of the top teams in the league for quite a while, standings-wise, before right. uh, before they had this massive uh, downhill skid that they ended up going on. Yeah. And speaking of downhill slides, you know, the Yankees were on one, but it looks like uh, it looks like New York is starting to rebound here as. We're starting to see them. Uh, they, they've already moved up to uh, to second place right now in the AL East. They're only two games behind the uh, the Red Sox here. Mm. Seven and three in their last ten, and they're currently leading Baltimore. To or actually no, they beat Baltimore uh, earlier today yes. by a score of eight to two. So. Mm-hmm. It, it, it seems like the Yankees are are finally starting to get things back in uh, back in rhythm out there in New York. Well, I hate to say I told you so. Uh, for all those naysayers out there who uh, can't say the Yankees, but uh, I knew someone was going to turn up. Well, we all knew that it, we all knew that with the, with the amount of talent that the Yankees have on that roster, there's no way that they could that they could be a losing team for. For as long as they right. for as long of a skid that they were on, you know, eventually no, but they were going to panic mode after the end of like the first uh, week or two, and like, oh, we suck this year. We're you know we're four we're four and seven right now. Oh, we have a prayer. Oh, come on, people, you're really going to go by that? Yeah, it, it was to show you that we have the fair weather fans in the city, and you know, you call yourself real fans when actually you don't. Um, you know, you only think of it when it's, you know, like, well, we're 30 games up already. And, you know, but when we're like, oh, well, it's two weeks in the season and we're trash. So uh, I think we can just say the hell with the season. No, you don't do that. Yeah, exactly. And however, though, you know, the Yankees, they do have uh, Toronto, both Toronto and Tampa Bay on their heels uh, with, 
Toronto, and, mainly based on win percentage, they're only a game back of the Yankees right now. And Yeah, but it's a little bit early to start thinking about win percentage. I don't start thinking that until like maybe like July. Well, obviously. But yeah, you know, just based off of just based off of the fact that you know normally when teams start gaining momentum, usually that tells that tells you something about the rest of the season. You know how the rest of the season yeah. is going to go, and the fact that we have teams like Toronto and Tampa Bay still sticking around here when normally you know they're usually out of the picture. Uh, by at least May or June, the fact that they're still sticking around here kind of tells you that the AL East is going to be pretty tight this year. Because Baltimore right now is pretty much out of it. Even the what? Do we even count the Orioles? They're they're eight games behind right now. Well, eight games in uh, mid-May, you know, that's not, you know, that's not really, you know, astronomical. Think about it. No, but you take a look at the – I mean, just, just taking a look at the numbers, they've they've allowed 27 more runs compared to the amount of runs they've scored. Mm. So they're already in the negative right now, not just in their record, right. but also in the run differential. You know, at least Tampa Bay and Toronto and, you know, the Yankees, their, their records may be close, but they're still – positive when it comes to run differential. Right. So, you know, it's, I mean, things obviously can turn around, but they started out the year five and 15 at home and 11 and eight uh, on the road. And against teams that are over 500, they're 10 and 17. Uh So, you know, it's not really looking good for for Baltimore right now. Uh, no, I am the with the big. I think the big surprise of this year, I think, has to be the Padres. Yes. Oh my God. Uh, Slam Diego, as they call them. Slam uh, Diego. You know, I think actually the two biggest surprises is they have to be the uh, the the uh, San Francisco Giants and the San Diego Padres. Just the fact yeah, more that the a lot of it has to do with the acquisitions that they made last year. Because let's not forget, when they made the acquisitions they they made in terms of pitching and everything last year, you know, that basically helped their their uh, postseason run that they were uh, that they were trying to go on. Right. And plus, yeah. a lot of the players that they acquired were all on term as opposed to being rentals. Yeah, but, you know, the thing is that, you know, the Giants, you know, we've seen them before how they do, but the Padres, we're not used to them being, you know, uh, in contention, especially even now at this point in the season, because the Padres have been perennial losers ever since they uh, lost to the Yankees in the 98 World Series. What have they done since then? Nothing. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, the Giants, basically the post, the post-Tim the post come years haven't been kind to the Giants whatsoever. No. Uh, no, no after no, that no. after that stretch where 
after that stretch where they had how many how many World Series wins? Three. Three. Was it two or was it three? That's what, that's why I, th- I thought it was three. Um, yes. You know, ever since that that stretch where. I mean, obviously, there's so many things that have happened. Tim Linscombe fell off of a mountain. Uh, Pablo Sandoval Ugh. decided that he he decided that he preferred uh, buffets over baseball. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that happened to those big San Francisco players. Yeah, that you know, San Francisco, they just whether those players left or retired in in Linscombe's case. You know, San Francisco just hasn't been that same team that we saw uh, dominate early on. All right, Steve, we got to wrap up from there because I only got about a minute and a half before showtime. All right, Lou. Well, hey, uh, thanks for thanks for joining me tonight, and I'm sure we'll see you we'll see you back next week. You got. All right. Without we have, we have about one minute left. I am gonna go into the overtime. I'm gonna cover uh, some of the NFL stuff that we have going on uh, this week. Just a reminder: uh, if you're a Survivor fan, tune in this upcoming Thursday night for the top ten female Survivors uh, rankings list. Uh, the top 10 females who have ever played the game. We did the top 10 males this past Thursday. If you guys want to uh, re-listen to that, you can do so on the archives at blogtalk.com, blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE, or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts by searching for Missy AE there. Uh, Then, of course, a week after this Thursday, we will be doing – the uh, top 10 survivor seasons for uh, for the rankings list. So be sure to tune into that. And obviously, of course, next week we will have uh, more Sports Whispers Weekly. Um, but we do have uh, the after show here. I don't know how I don't know how long I'll go into the after show uh, tonight because we. Don't have anybody else that called in. I was, you know, I was expecting a couple of other people to call in tonight, but I think they must be bummed out over the uh, over the Boston Bruins losing or something. I don't know, um, which I don't blame them. You know, I uh, we kind we kind of take it uh, kind of take it big when it comes to uh, to playoff runs um, in New England here. So. Uh, who knows? Maybe maybe they'll join me uh, next week. But uh, yeah, let's take a look here at a few things in the NFL. Um, first, we have oh, actually no, actually you know what? Some NHL news. Uh, I did mention. That earlier, that Evgeny Kuznetsov and Ilya Samsonov missed Game One, doing to be on the co- doing to being uh, on the COVID list. Uh, I believe that Kuznetsov tested positive, and Samsonov was a close contact because Samsonov was cleared for Game One tonight, but he didn't dress. And as of game time, Kuznetsov was still on the COVID list, so it's more likely that Kuznetsov was probably the positive test. Uh, 
although considering how well Craig Anderson did in relief of uh, of VTech uh, Vanasek tonight, maybe perhaps he may get the start in net for game two against the Bruins. Um, we'll see. Uh, Artemi Panarin, he missed the rest of the season this year for the New York Rangers after being injured during last Monday's game when Tom Wilson repeatedly uh, knocked him down to the ice during a fight. Wilson only received a $5,000 fine for punching a downed Pavel Bushnevich, uh, which was an incident that occurred during the fight uh, or right before the fight, though Wilson didn't face any supplemental discipline for his actions against Panarin either. Uh, you know what? Actually, let me since since I'm gonna be I'm gonna be making uh, my notes for next week's show. I gotta remind myself to make a note here for next week to get Lou's thoughts on these two subjects because. Obviously, you know, he, I don't know why I didn't ask him, uh, I didn't ask him tonight, but, uh, obviously anybody who has listened to this podcast, uh, he has covered, he has covered the, uh, you know, the New York Rangers before. So, um, I want to see what he what he thinks about these uh, about these specific uh, incident this specific incident here. Uh, Wilson, you know, the thing that bugs me about this is Wilson is a repeat offender. You know, this isn't the first time he's been involved in 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 scenarios, uh, you know, involving violence or something on the ice. So the fact that he didn't receive any punishment for this is kind of – honestly, I'm kind of baffled by it because I would have thought that they would look at his – they would look at his record and see what he's done in the past, and, you know, they would basically – uh, they would basically they would take his past into account when making a decision here, but obviously that didn't happen. Um, so yeah, there's it's just a complete mess. Uh, and the New York Rangers, you know, they lashed out at the uh, at the uh, Department of Player Safety uh, of the NHL over this uh, ruling. And there was backlash because of this. As the New York Rangers, they fired President John Davidson and General Manager Jeff Gorton, the guy responsible for putting together this accelerated rebuild of the Rangers. Uh it's believed that the events that took place involving Wilson, the Wilson decision and whatnot, and the uh, 
uh, New York Rangers uh, reaction to that. Uh, apparently, there's a belief that those two things played a role in the decision to fire both the president and the general manager uh, due to the lack of a suspension for Washington's Tom Wilson for an incident that involved Artemi Panarin and uh, Pavel Buchnevich. Uh, the statement was reported was apparently put forward by owner James Dolan without the knowledge of Davidson and Gorton. Sources say they attempted to distance themselves from it. Also believed that Dolan was looking for a change following a disappointing season, and the statement had nothing to do with the decision to move on from both Davidson and Gorton. Either way, though, the Rangers are going to be looking for replacements for the both of them, uh, and they did find a replacement as they officially announced the promotion of Chris Drury to the roles of president and general manager of the New York Rangers. Uh, Senior advisor Glenn Sather will work with Drury and continue to consult with the team during this transition, according to the Rangers organization. Um, They did send out a statement saying, we want to thank J.D. and Jeff for their contributions to the organization. They are both great hockey professionals who worked hard for the Rangers. However, in order for the team to succeed in the manner our fans deserve, there needs to be a change in leadership, according to executive chairman of of, uh, MSG Sports or Madison Square Garden Sports, James L. Dolan. Um, He then said, Chris is a very sought-after executive and a strong leader who has proven himself to be one of the top minds in hockey. We are confident he will effectively guide the team to ensure the long-term success we promised Ranger fans. Now, he has been the general manager of the Hartford Wolfpack, uh, who are the Rangers AHL affiliate since May of 2017. And he was named the associate general manager to uh, Gorton back in February. So, it seems like this is basically uh, this is basically uh they were they were obviously grooming uh Drury to take over as the lead guy eventually up in up in uh, New York whenever it would be but just take just taking a look at the previous couple of seasons uh, under the management of Chris Drury here. Now, the Wolfpack, they haven't been in the playoffs since 2014-2015, uh, back when they made it all the way to the third round to the conference finals, um, where they lost to the Manchester Monarchs in four games back then. Uh, since Chris Drury took over, as the general manager of the Hartford Wolfpack, they've had mixed results. His first season, they went 34-33-6-3 for 77 points, uh, sixth place in the Atlantic Division, and they didn't qualify for the playoffs. Uh, actually, the previous year, they went 24-46-4-2 for only 54 points and didn't qualify. Then his second year, they didn't qualify. The third year, they didn't qualify with a 29-36-7-4 record for 69 points. Uh, Last year, 
they didn't qualify, even though they had a 31-26-5 record, they did not qualify because the season was canceled due to the due to the COVID nineteen pandemic. Now, assuming that they assuming that there would have been a season that the season would have finished, they probably would have qualified for the playoffs. Uh, this year, they had a shortened season, obviously due to COVID, and uh, their their playoffs essentially were the division, basically. Uh, whoever would be the winner of the division, which, of course, went to the Providence Bruins, uh, clinching the regular season title three points ahead of the Hartford Wolfpack. As uh, Hartford only played 24 games this year uh, with a 14-9-1 record for 29 points. So things obviously, you know, have been moving forward, have been have been moving up for the Wolfpack, so maybe perhaps Drury can take this uh, this sort of momentum and maybe translate it up in the NHL uh, with the New York Rangers. Although, I don't really, I mean, obviously, you know, in the, managing the minors is one thing, managing the big leagues is a, is a whole entire different situation, a whole entire different story. And, you know, New York, they are going through a rebuild. You know, they did just get Alexis Lafreniere in the draft this past year. So, and plus they got Capo Caco the previous year. You know, there's there, there's a lot of young talent on this roster. Uh, this was actually the first year that they didn't have uh, Henrik Lundqvist as their starting goaltender. So, there's there's a lot of rebuilding that's going to be going on here. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Uh, but I, you know, I got to remind myself to get, uh, to get loose thoughts on the whole Rangers situation, because that was, it, it was, it was kind of a shock to me because, the Rangers were going through this accelerated, what I feel is an accelerated rebuild, and you you choose to make a change by getting rid of the guy that was responsible for putting together the pieces to create this rebuild. I just don't understand it. Uh, we do have... Speaking of changes, we do have some coaching changes in the league as uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets and head coach John Tortorella, Stanley Cup winning head coach John Tortorella, have uh, mutually agreed to part ways following this season. Uh, Since Tortorella took over behind the bench, the team posted a 227-166-54 record in 447 games uh, with John Tortorella behind the bench. Uh, he became the winningest coach in Blue Jackets history since joining the team in 2015. He did. He was a winner of the Jack Adams Award, which went to the NHL's Coach of the Year back in 2016-2017, and he was a finalist for the war for the award last year as well. Uh, obviously, maybe perhaps they need a bit of a change in uh, a new voice, if you would, uh, to potentially 
reach out to these to their uh, to their younger stars. So maybe perhaps a change was necessary here, as Columbus, of course, didn't make the playoffs this year. Uh, they had a down year when you know maybe perhaps this change is necessary. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes they have decided to mutually part ways with their head coach Rick Tockett. Uh, as his contract expires on June 30th, and he will not be back as Arizona's head coach next season. Uh, The GM, Bill Armstrong, released a statement saying, after meeting with Rick, we have decided that a coaching change is in the best interest of the club. This was a very difficult decision, but we believe that it is time for a new direction and new leadership. Rick is a very good coach and an incredible person, and we sincerely appreciate all of his hard work and dedication to the Coyotes the past four years. We are grateful for everything that he has done for our organization and wish him the best of luck in the future. Uh, Under Tockett, Arizona posted a record of 125, 131, and 34 in 290 games, and the team made the playoffs last season for the first time since 2012 uh, under Rick Tockett. So obviously they believe that a, uh, that a coaching change is necessary here. And maybe perhaps this could potentially turn Arizona back around to where they were last year. Cause last year they came out as a, as a complete surprise to the rest of the league uh, making the playoffs compared to some of the other teams uh, that were around them, but you know who knows who know who knows what's gonna happen there when it comes to uh the coaching situation that they have uh going over to the n f l uh e s p n s sheriff bar Sarah barship reports that a member of Tony Busby's legal team has reportedly approached Deshaun Watson to discuss working things out, basically trying to, trying to uh, make a settlement for the 22, uh, the 20, 21 or 22 women that have accused Deshaun Watson of sexual assault. Um, the plaintiff side initiating talks in this part, in this case, suggests that there's some level of concern about the case. And with two, with training camp being two months away, Watson should be motivated to settle, according to this report, though his playing status will still be subject to an NFL investigation. The NFL has currently interviewed four of the 22 women with lawsuits against Watson, and even if his legal issues are resolved, he is still likely to be suspended for some, if not all, of uh, this upcoming year under the league's personal conduct policy, and hence why we saw the Houston Texans make the necessary changes that they did by bringing in Tyrod Taylor and drafting Sam Ellinger out of uh, out of Texas this year. You know, there's they're preparing for changes at the quarterback position, and it comes as a bit of a surprise to me, honestly, that. Uh, that there's settlement talks happening when Deshaun Watson's team made it clear 
that there would not be any sort of settlement talks unless there was an understanding made uh, by both sides to where uh, all of the statements made by the by uh, by the plaintiffs would be put out would be put out in the open because apparently there's a lot of holes in the accusations that have been made that basically Deshaun Watson's team wants to be put out there because they feel that uh, a lot of stuff uh, hasn't really been made perfectly clear. Basically, they they obviously still believe that this is a money trap, essentially. So that's obviously still an ongoing developing situation. You know, who knows exactly what's going to come out of it, basically. Uh, Packers head coach Matt LaFleur said that the team wants Aaron Rodgers back, quote-unquote, in the worst way. Uh, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network has reported that the two sides will continue to work out their many differences. Uh, obviously, coaches and front office officials have no, have made no secret of their desire to have him return this year for his 13th year as the team's starter. Uh, however, if the team is going to move – uh, Rogers, it, it has to happen after June 1st because of the cap situation uh, when it comes to dead cap. Obviously, uh, there will be less dead cap money uh, that'll be put in that'll be put in place if he's moved after the June 1st deadline. Uh, the Broncos are reportedly one of the teams that are interested in acquiring Rogers for what would probably be a king's ransom at this point. And a lot of people believe that he's probably going to get moved considering the fact that the Packers ended up signing Blake Bortles uh, earlier this week, which led people to believe that maybe Blake Bortles would back up Jason Love once um, you know, once they would decide – you know, to move on. Wait, is it J? No, not Jason. I'm sorry. Jordan Love. I don't know why I said Jason Love. Uh, Jordan Love. If that Jordan Love obviously would be the starter and it would probably be to, to, uh, to back him up basically uh, that Bortles would do. Although maybe with, with, you know, with a better supporting cast around him compared to what he had in Jacksonville, you know, maybe Blake Bortles would actually succeed in Green Bay. Uh, we don't know when it comes to what 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 uh, they got going over there. Uh, the NFL they did release the schedule for all of the teams this past week. And the Thanksgiving slate has officially been announced. We will have the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Oakland, or I'm sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, the Lions will take on the Bears. We'll also have the Saints against the Bills. And the it looks like the Cowboys will get their regular home games, uh, their regular home game with, the, with Detroit, uh, with Detroit also facing the Bears, 
while the Saints get a home tilt against Josh Allen and the supercharged Buffalo Buffalo offense. Uh, it looks like maybe perhaps Justin Fields might. They're I guess speculating that maybe Justin Fields would start as uh, it would make the matchup far more appealing for a Thanksgiving uh, Day slate. Uh, And plus, it's hard to imagine that Andy Dalton would hold on to the starting job uh, heading into the season's final month. So that's probably why they have Justin Fields looking at a potential starting role at that point. Um, so yeah, this should be this should be quite the uh, quite the Thanksgiving Day slate uh, for this year. Uh, we have obviously a couple of mainstays for Thanksgiving while couple of a uh, couple of new teams a couple of new teams making their way in uh, tight end Josh Hill is choosing to retire after eight years in the NFL he signed a one-year deal earlier this offseason with the Lions but he is choosing to retire after playing all of his eight seasons with the New Orleans Saints recording 15 touchdowns uh, and 1071 receiving yards out in New Orleans uh, Broncos right tackle Jawan James suffered a torn Achilles tendon and he will miss the 2021 season. Uh, apparently the injury happened while James was working out away from the team. Uh, so it's possible that Denver will not have to pay him his upcoming $10 million salary for this season. He was expected to start at right tackle uh, after opting out of this past year due to the COVID pandemic. So instead, Denver is probably going to be looking to Dalton Reisner to play right tackle, uh, moving over from left guard. And it was previously stated that Reisner would be the team's emergency option at tackle if he was needed. And actually, let me take a look. I believe they may have already... Yeah, they ended up, the Broncos ended up releasing James, actually, uh, after they signed offensive tackles Cameron Fleming and Bobby Massey in free agency this past week. Um, the Broncos plan to void his $10 million salary and recoup his, recoup his signing bonus, which James's camp is expected to fight. Uh, it does say that he is a long shot to return this season from injury. So it's expected that, you know, obviously he'll be out the entire year. Uh, The Broncos, they ended up also waiving Deshaun Hamilton, uh, the former fourth round pick uh, a couple years ago, who never really caught on in Denver. Um, he only managed 23 catches in 16 games last season for the Broncos. Uh, however, he was he was likely to be traded um, before he suffered a torn ACL training outside of Denver's team facility earlier this week. So he's basically going to be outright released and. He's done for the entire year. Uh, he likely won't receive a tryout until next year's mini camps, which who knows if uh, if he'll even be 
you know, he'll even be thought of considering he'll be, he'll have been out of the league for basically an entire year at that point. You know, going back to the Aaron Rodgers situation, uh, according to a report by NFL Network's Mike Garofalo, uh, Rodgers apparently told Green Bay free agents uh, that he would not be with the Packers in this upcoming year. Uh, Garofalo also added that Rodgers was telling his team's free agents as early as the beginning of this past season that he would be gone after the season. He also noted that it's possible that the players simply did not believe Rodgers would actually leave Green Bay, uh, which was evidenced by David Bakhtiari, one of his offensive linemen, signing a four-year extension with the team last fall. Uh, Rodgers has reportedly been disgruntled with the team for some time now, but it looks like he's been planning his departure for well over a year. And it's kind of funny considering he put up MVP numbers as a result this year. Uh, it is possible with this level of commitment from from all of the reports that are coming out, it's possible that he possibly just hangs up his, uh, he hangs up his cleats before he ever decides to return to Green Bay. And when you think about it, if, if Rodgers does leave, in some capacity, whether it's retirement or or a, through a trade, the change to over to Jordan Love is going to be absolutely catastrophic for the Green Bay offense. You know, they're going to have to basically rewrite their entire scheme. It's It's not going to be a good look, regardless of what happens out there uh, in Green Bay. Also, the Packers officials reportedly believe that teams tampered with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Rob Domofsky of ESPN cites a source who said the Packers were upset that teams may have contacted Rodgers to gauge whether he'd be interested in playing for them if they tried to make a trade after ESPN's Adam Schefter reported that Rodgers didn't want to return to Green Bay next year. The Packers, according to Domofsky, have not filed official tampering charges with the league because tampering is nearly impossible to prove. Uh, The Niners and Broncos have both been linked to Rodgers over the past week. The Packers could be forced into trading Rodgers, who doesn't have a no-trade clause in his contract, if the rift between Rodgers and general manager Brian Gutkunst proves unfixable, which to this point, it seems to be that way. Uh, the Athletics' Bob McGinn reported Rodgers in a group in a team group chat called Gutkunst Jerry Krause, who, to sports fans, was the former Chicago Bulls general manager who was reviled and mocked by Michael Jordan and his teammates back in the 1990s. So there may there may be no coming back from that if you're comparing your current general manager to a guy who back in the 90s was was reviled by the greatest basketball player to have ever played the game of basketball. So there's, you know, there's a lot, a lot of uncertainty around this Aaron Rodgers situation right now that 
like I like I said, it could be catastrophic depending on what happens uh, involving Rodgers and whether or not he ends up retiring or if he ends up getting traded. This next bit of news here, uh, free agent Richard Sherman has reportedly been in talks with the 49ers about a possible return uh, to the team. Sherman has also talked reportedly with the uh, Seattle Seahawks and also has interest from the New, Orleans, the New Orleans Saints as well as the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, it does say that Sherman's market should start to heat up over the coming weeks, but returning to the 49ers does still remain in play uh, for Sherman here. The Colts, they signed kicker Eddie Pinheiro to a one-year deal. The former Bears starter will provide an experienced off-season leg. Uh, Rodrigo Blankenship was one of the best kickers in football last year and should be near impossible to dislodge at the top of the depth chart. So this is probably, in all honesty, just just a uh, just a bit of competition, basically, to keep Blankenship on his toes. Maybe, perhaps, they may find Eddie Pinheiro to – they may find him on the, you know, on the practice squad just in case something happens to Blankenship during the year that they need to call up Pinheiro and have him have him play – for however long that Blankenship may potentially be out if that does happen. The uh, Vegas Raiders, they signed Casey Hayward, formerly of the Chargers, uh, to a deal. He was an elite corner from 2016 to 2019, but was hampered by injuries last year and ultimately became a cap casualty this off. If he returns in full form, the signing looks like a steal, quite frankly. Uh, Casey also does get to reunite with Raiders defensive uh, coordinator Gus Bradley, who was his coordinator for four years with the Chargers. Uh, This uh, this signing, though, even if Casey doesn't get back, if Hayward doesn't get back to what he once used to be, this signing should greatly boost that Vegas secondary. the Ravens, they signed left tackle Alejandro Villanueva to a two-year, $14 million contract. Uh, Ian Rappaport also reports that Villanueva will get $8 million guaranteed in his move from divisional rival Pittsburgh to Baltimore. Uh, he'll likely replace Orlando Brown, who, was, who last month was traded to Kansas City in exchange for draft picks until uh, tackle Ronnie Stanley is healthy. Villanueva can then slide to the right side of the team's offensive line. Villanueva started every game for Pittsburgh since 2016 and was graded by Pro Football Focus as the league's 18th best pass-blocking tackle this past year. Uh, The Miami Dolphins, they signed defensive back Jason McCourty, formerly of the New England Patriots, to a one-year deal. McCourty played for Dolphins coach Brian Flores in his first year with the Patriots back in 2018. He had a down year this year, along with the rest of the Patriots, ravaged uh, off or ravaged defense. But he can play all over the secondary, so that includes the outside, the slot, and perhaps the safety. 
So he does provide a lot of versatility in that defense. And this comes on the same day that the Dolphins waived safety Bobby McCain, who has since signed with the Vegas or with the Washington football team. The Eagles, they claimed running back Carrion Johnson off of waivers from the Lions. A surprising move as Philadelphia also added receiving back Kenny Gainwell in the fifth round of the draft this year and with Boston Scott, Jordan Howard and Johnson also on the roster, it's possible that Miles Sanders is merely viewed as a two down back by the new coaching staff with Howard coming in for goal line carries and Gainwell being dispersed on on passing downs. The Carolina Panthers, they hired Dan Morgan as as their assistant general manager. Morgan was Buffalo's director of player personnel the last three years. He returns to Carolina where he played his entire career before injuries had forced him to retire. He spent the first eight years as an executive in Seattle, overlapping with Panthers general manager Scott Fitterer back in 2010. A rising front office star, he he does have the makings of a future general manager, and he could land general manager interviews as early as next offseason if the Panthers can rebound in 2021. The Kansas City Chiefs, they acquired cornerback Mike Hughes from the Minnesota Vikings in exchange for a 2022 sixth-round pick. The Chiefs are also receiving a 2022 seventh rounder to go along with Mike Hughes in the deal. It's basically a full-blown salary dump from the Vikings, who also who, who uh, also declined uh, his 2022 fifth-year team option earlier this month. Neck issues have limited Hughes to just 18 appearances and five starts over the past two seasons, while he suffered a torn ACL back in 2018. He was on the field for all for all of four games in this past season. He is still, though, only 24 years old, but he has not been terribly effective even when he's been active. However, his draft pedigree does make a sensible flyer the Kansas City Chiefs to take, as he can play both inside and out at the cornerback position. So, it's obvious that Kansas City they're they're just looking basically to to you know take whatever players they they potentially can to make up for the losses that they've had this off season. All right, let's see here. Uh another NHL bit that I missed here, Milan Lucic, he has agreed to waive his no-movement clause for the 2021 NHL expansion draft, as obviously, of course, the Seattle Kraken, they're coming in as the uh, as the newest NHL team to come into the league, so Milan Lucic is one of the players that Calgary will not protect. Uh, he did say in a statement, as much as I want to stay in Calgary, I didn't want to handcuff Flames general manager Brad Living in the expansion draft, so I agreed that I would waive it for the expansion draft if he didn't want to protect me. 
I really enjoyed it here in Calgary, and I'd love nothing more than to spend the rest of my career here. Lucic does have two seasons remaining on a seven-year contract that carries a cap hit of five and a quarter million. Uh, he has nine goals, 20 points, and 134 hits in 50 games this year. So it is possible that we could foresee, we could see uh, Lucic get picked up in the expansion draft potentially as a uh, potential third or fourth line uh, winger, the Seattle Kraken this year. All right, let's go into some scores from around the different leagues here. Uh, First, some finals in Major League Baseball, the Arizona Diamondbacks with an 11-4 victory over the Washington Nationals. The Toronto Blue Jays blanked the Philadelphia Phillies today for Four to nothing. The Atlanta Braves with a 5-1 victory over the Milwaukee Brewers. The Kansas City Chiefs with a 5-1 victory over their rival Chicago White Sox. The Houston Texans, or I'm sorry, Houston Astros with a 6-5 victory over the Texas Rangers. The New York Yankees with an 8-2 victory over the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, Pittsburgh with a 8-6 victory over the San Francisco Giants. A final in 10 innings, the Detroit Tigers with a 9-8 victory over the Chicago Cubs. The Boston Red Sox continue their hot streak with a 9-0 shutout over the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. The Minnesota Twins with a 5-4 victory over the Oakland Athletics. The Tampa Bay Rays with a 12-5 to thrashing of the New York Mets. Uh, currently in the top of the 11th inning, the Cincinnati Reds and Colorado Rockies are tied at 2-2. Two two. In the bottom of the 7th, the San Diego Padres have opened up an ass-whooping, and they are threatening more here with runners at first and third. Uh, a 10-3 lead over the St. Louis Cardinals for the San Diego Padres. In the bottom of the seventh in Seattle, the Seattle Mariners lead the the uh, Cleveland Indians five to two, and the LA Dodgers with a four to nothing lead over the Miami Marlins in the bottom of the seventh. There, in the NHL, obviously we we covered during uh, during tonight's show the Washington Capitals take Game One over the Boston Bruins in overtime three to two. However, we did have one regular season game take place today in the North Division with the Vancouver Canucks with a 4-1 to victory over the Edmonton Oilers. Games scheduled for tomorrow. Game one, we have the New York Islanders against the Pittsburgh Penguins. The visiting Pittsburgh, might I add, that's at 12 p.m. Eastern on NBC. Then at 3 p.m. Eastern, also on NBC, we have the Minnesota Wild against the Vegas Golden Knights for their game one. At 7 p.m., we have the Tampa Bay Lightning against the Florida Panthers. And uh, this one is not is not uh, a playoff game, but I believe they are finishing up the regular season for the North Division with the Calgary Flames visiting the Vancouver Canucks at 10.30 p.m. Eastern. That will be on NHL Network and I believe also on ESPN+. Some scores in the NBA 
today as the NBA winds up the rest of their season. The Brooklyn Nets with a 105-91 to victory over the Chicago Bulls. Bruce Brown, the lead, uh, the lead point getter for the Brooklyn Nets, 16 points, 12 rebounds, 3 assists. Thaddeus Young, 19 points, 13 rebounds, and 4 assists for the Chicago Bulls. The L.A. Lakers, they get back on the winning track here. Uh, Anthony Davis with 28 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. And Karis LeVert for the Indiana Pacers with 28 points, 5 rebounds, and 12 assists in the Lakers' 122-115 victory over the Indiana Pacers. The New York Knicks in overtime with a 118-109 to victory over the Charlotte Hornets by Julius Randle, 33 points, 10 rebounds, 13 assists for a triple-double, and Miles Bridges with 30 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists for the Charlotte Hornets. The Boston Celtics with a 124-108 to victory over the Minnesota Timberwolves, led by Jason Tatum, 26 points, 11 rebounds, 2 assists. And Carl Anthony Towns for Minnesota with 24 points, 14 rebounds, and 2 assists as well. The Phoenix Suns, they continue their red-hot season with a 140-103 to victory over the San Antonio Spurs. De- uh, Devin Booker led the way with 27 points, two rebounds, four assists, and Drew Eubanks for the Spurs, 15 points, 11 rebounds, one assist. The Milwaukee Bucks with a 122-108 victory over the Miami Heat, a which it looks like this is going to be a preview, actually, of their first-round matchup against the Heat. Uh, Kendrick Nunn led the way for the Heat, 31 points, six rebounds, three assists, while Drew Holiday led the way for the Milwaukee Bucks with 20 points, 5 rebounds, and 10 assists. As far as games going on tomorrow, at 1 o'clock you have the Boston Celtics visiting the New York Knicks as they wrap up their season. That'll be on ESPN. You also have the Indiana Pacers uh, visiting the Toronto Raptors, the Charlotte Hornets visiting the Washington Wizards, now, the winner of this matchup actually will take on the Boston Celtics in the, fir- in the first play-in game, as both teams are at 33 and 38 right now. At 2 p.m. Eastern, you got the Phoenix Suns against the San Antonio Spurs. That'll be on NBA League Pass. Then at 3.30 p.m. on ESPN, you have the Golden State Warriors playing host to the Memphis Grizzlies. This will be a game. To, this will be a play-in decider as well, as uh, this may decide who gets into that first play-in game. Whether it'll be the Golden State Warriors or the Memphis Grizzlies, where one win will mean that they are immediately in the playoffs. Uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern, you have the Atlanta Hawks playing host to the Houston Rockets, as well as at 7, you have the Brooklyn Nets playing host to the Cleveland Cavaliers, the 76ers playing host to the Orlando Magic. At 8 p.m., you got the Detroit Pistons playing host to the Miami Heat, Uh, the Chicago Bulls playing host to the Milwaukee Bucks, the Minnesota Timberwolves playing host to the Dallas Mavericks, And on NBA TV, you have the New Orleans Pelicans playing host 
to the L.A. Lakers, followed by the Oklahoma City Thunder against the L.A. Clippers, the Portland Trail Blazers against the Denver Nuggets, and the Sacramento Kings against the Utah Jazz. That's what tomorrow's slate of NBA games looks like. Obviously, we also have WrestleMania Backlash taking place tomorrow night on Peacock, the uh, Peacock Network, uh, with six matches set to take place. Uh, we have yeah, quite a quite a bit of a slate uh, scheduled for for uh, tomorrow night's activities. You know, with that being said, uh, I think I'm going to wrap things up. I basically have covered pretty much everything. Uh, that there has been to cover uh, tonight. A reminder uh, to those who have not done so yet uh, to subscribe to the Missy AE podcast. You can do so by going on to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE. Subscribe there. You can do so with a uh, with either your Facebook account or your Blog Talk Radio account. You can get access to not just Sports Whispers Weekly podcasts, but also uh, Survivor Memories and Big Brother Memories podcasts as well. Uh, let's see. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts by searching Missy AE and be able to get those on your phones. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, as far as Android goes, if you can get it on Android, uh, I think it's possible. I'm not exactly sure. But anyways, uh, we are going to wrap up uh, tonight's show. Uh, oh, another reminder as well. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, for any Survivor fans, we did just do the top 10 males list this past week of top 10 male Survivor players. Uh, this upcoming Thursday, we will be doing the top 10 female Survivor players, uh, where we rank the top 10 females. And I'm telling you, the males may have been easier to do, but the females, I think, are going to be a lot harder because there are a lot more contenders to choose from in this list. Uh, and the week after, we will be doing the top 10 Survivor seasons. Uh, to have officially taken place, so that one should be a should be a barn burner as well when it comes to certain contenders for that list. So you can get all the you can uh, get access to all these in the archives on Blog Talk Radio or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Uh, so to end tonight's show. I kind of figured that we would – I played it at the beginning of tonight's show, but I think I'll play it at the end as well. Uh, we we uh, just recently had a podcast with uh, Big Brother 14 contestant JoJo Spadafora, uh, who was very kind enough to uh, speak to us about her, her uh, debut single, uh, Don't Catch Feelings. And obviously, she she had just done a music video as well with uh, Gina Marie Zimmerman, 
of Big Brother 15, which that date has been pushed back uh, to this upcoming Friday, I think it is, uh, for the release of the music video. Uh, Like Jim mentioned on Thursday night, we are working on getting a podcast done maybe potentially this upcoming Friday night uh, with both JoJo and Gina Marie. Gina Marie obviously had to miss uh, recently due to uh, due to a family issue that had uh, that had taken place. Uh, so I kind of figured that in order in order to in order to help promote uh, her song, I figure we'll play it again tonight uh, to end the show here. If you guys haven't yet. Be sure, uh, be sure to help help support JoJo. You know, purchase purchase it on uh, on iTunes or whatever streaming uh, whatever streaming uh, music streaming uh, services are available. It is available everywhere. It is going going to be available on YouTube. Uh, it's it is available currently on iTunes. I I've purchased it myself. So uh, very cheap. I believe it's like ninety nine cents or a dollar ninety nine. I think I, I forget. I forget what it uh, what it is, but it's uh, it's a very catchy tune. You know, it's it's going to be something that I think is uh, is really going to get um, once it officially hits the nightclubs and everything. You know, it's gonna it's gonna really get people going. So uh, everybody have a good rest of your uh, weekend and we will see you guys next week for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. I know with this love or this love, don't want nobody else. When I think of your touch, I can't control myself. But I've been through it all, still got some scars that are healing. I'm ready to put down my wall, I catch any feelings. Patience with So let's not mess up the vibe With a relationship But I've been through it all